Welcome to worship at Providence Presbyterian Church on this Sunday, June 20th, 2021. We are located at 2401 Broad Avenue. We thank those of you who are currently able to support the church with your offerings. It truly is a blessing in enabling us to keep current in paying church expenses. Now, let us prepare our hearts for worship as we listen to the prelude.
let us join in our call to worship. God alone laid the foundations of the earth. The morning stars sang together, and all the heavenly beings shouted for joy. From the midst of the whirlwind, God speaks with power. We have seen the deeds of the Lord, who commands and raises the stormy wind, and makes the storm be still. We ourselves have seen the wondrous deeds of the Lord. Let us pray. O Lord our God, when we cry out to you in distress, you bring us through desperate circumstances. You can quiet the storm to a whisper and hush the sea's waves. So great is your power. Help us to trust you Then, whatever we face, knowing that you will lead us to the harbor we have been hoping for. We offer you our thanks and praise. Amen. accept the grace of God in vain, for God has said, At an acceptable time I have listened to you, and on the day of salvation I have helped you. Let us confess our sins before God, who will listen and help us in our weakness. Let us pray. Saving God, we confess that our faith is too small, our fear is too great, 
When we are overwhelmed, we think you do not care enough for us. When life is uncertain and risky, we are not sure we can trust you with our whole hearts. Even when you move among us in powerful ways, we question who you are. Forgive us and calm our fears, we pray. Teach us to trust in your power to save and to guide us in every circumstances. Grant us your peace, which is clearly beyond our understanding. In Christ's name we pray. Amen. Christ offers peace to our troubled souls. Believe this one whom even the winds and the sea obey. In Jesus Christ, we are forgiven. As we prepare to hear our readings from God's word, let us pray. Holy God, we know that our own words lack knowledge whenever we try to speak of you or to you. Yet we are drawn into your presence and desire to understand all, our, all your mysteries. So now, by the gift of your Spirit, speak your words and we will listen carefully, responding in awe and gratitude. Through Jesus Christ we pray. Amen. Our Old Testament reading this morning is taken from the book of Nehemiah, chapter 1, verses 1 through 10. The words of Nehemiah, son of Hakali, in the month of Kislev, in the twentieth year, while I was in the synagogue of Susa, Hanani, one of my brothers, came from Judah with some other men, and I questioned them about the Jewish remnant that had survived the exile, and also about Jerusalem. They said to me, Those who survived the exile and are back in the province are in great trouble and distress. The wall of Jerusalem is broken down, and its gates have been burned with fire. When I heard these things, I sat down and wept. For some days I mourned and fasted and prayed before God of heaven. Then I said, Lord, the God of heaven, the great and awesome God, who keeps his covenant of love with those who love him and keep his commandments, let your ear be attentive and your eyes open to hear the prayer of your servant is praying before you day and night for your servants, the people of Israel. I confess the sins we Israelites, including myself and my father's family, have committed against you. We have acted very wickedly toward you. We have not obeyed the commands, decrees, and laws you gave your servant Moses. Remember the instruction you gave your servant Moses, saying, If you are unfaithful, I will scatter you among the nations. But if you return to me and obey my commands, then even if you, your exiled people are on the farthest horizon, I will gather them from there and bring them to this place. I have chosen as my dwelling for my name. 
They are your servants and your people, whom you have redeemed by your strength and your mighty hands. Our New Testament reading this morning is taken from the Gospel of Matthew, chapter 6, verses 9 through 15. This, then, is how you should pray. Our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come, your will be done, on earth as it is in heaven. Give us today our daily bread, and forgive us our debts, as we also have forgiven our debtors. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from the evil one. For if you forgive other people when they sin against you, your heavenly Father will also forgive you. But if you do not forgive others their sins, your Father will not forgive your sins. Here ends our reading from God's Word, and may He bless them to our hearts and our lives. Amen. Today we are looking at the third of our series of sermons on prayer, and the topic for today is the pattern of prayer. Most people don't always know how to pray, and it comes out all wrong. Like the man who, when asked to pray for a woman who was in difficult circumstances and was feeling miserable, prayed, Dear Lord, please have mercy on this miserable woman. Mercifully, Jesus taught us that God honors sure, simple, sincere prayers from the heart. So we don't have to worry about using long, flowery phrases when we pray. Even so, it would be nice to know what kind of requests to make to God, requests that he would be delighted to answer. Well, I tell you, you have in your Bibles uh, to this. I invite you to turn with me to Matthew chapter 6, where Jesus gives us seven short, simple requests to make when we pray, requests which move the heart of God to respond. First of all, Jesus teaches us how to address God as our Father in heaven. When you pray, first of all, acknowledge who God is. He is our Father in heaven. God is both near, our Father, and He is far. He is in heaven. He is both loving and holy. And by holy, we mean He is holy other, totally different from us, in every way. He is familiar and fam unfamiliar at the same time. He is close to his own, but very distinct. He is intimate, but also infinite. This recognition affects how we pray. Some people treat God like Geek Squad at Best Buy. If you have a problem with your computer, you call the Geek Squad. They fix your problem, and then they leave you alone. In his autobiography, Surprised by Joy, writer C.S. Lewis described approaching God in a similar way. Later he wrote, I approached my idea of God without love, without awe, even without fear. In my mental picture, God appeared as neither Savior nor as Judge, but merely as a magician. And when he had done what was required of him, I supposed he would simply, well, go away. When you expect God to fix your problem and then leave you alone, you have treated him like the Geek Squad. But God is not like the Geek Squad. 
He is your Father in heaven. He is the Almighty One, the one deserving your greatest respect, who wants to be in a loving relationship with you. So prayer is not about getting your needs met. It is about a personal relationship with an almighty, holy God, one that invites you to call him Father. William Barclay, in his commentary on Matthew, tells us the story of a Roman emperor coming home victorious from battle. The streets were lined with cheering people, and tall guards lined the street's edges to keep the people in their place. At one point on the triumphal route, there was a little platform where the empress and her family were sitting to watch the emperor go by in all the pride of his triumph. On the platform with his mother, there was the emperor's youngest son, who was a little boy. As the emperor came near, the little boy jumped off the platform, burrowed through the crowd, and tried to dodge between the legs of a guard to meet his father's chariot. The guard stooped down and stopped him. He swung him up in his arms. You can't do that, boy, he said. Don't you know who that is in the chariot? That's the emperor. You can't run out to his chariot. The little boy laughed and said, He may be your emperor, but he's my father. That is how God wants you to approach him. When you pray, he is the almighty Lord, but he is also your father if you have trusted Jesus Christ, his son, with your life. You see, prayer is not simply making requests. It is part of an intimate relationship with an infinite God. So when you pray, first acknowledge who God is. Then secondly, acknowledge what God wants. Put his desires before your own. His interest first. Jesus said, when you pray like this, our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name. That is, may your reputation be honored as holy or special. This request asks God to glorify himself in all that we ask, to work in such a way that people appreciate him all the more. Lori Johnson told of her two sons, Matthew and Ryan, and she took them to their grandparents' home for an afternoon visit. They spent some time playing and socializing with their grandparents. When they were ready to leave, Granddad said to Matthew, You've made my day. Matthew replied, No, God made your day. We just put the icing on it. That is a little of what it means to ask God to hallow his name, to honor it, to make it great. He makes the day because he is the creator. But he wants us to put the icing on it. He wants us to cause people to appreciate him even more. So ask God to hallow his name through you. Ask God to rule in your life and your circumstances. Ask God to have his will and his way in your world. That's what the next two requests are all about. Let's take a look at them. Your kingdom come. Your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. These two requests are just two ways to ask for the same thing. To ask for God's kingdom to come is to ask for God's will to be done. You see, the kingdom of God is any place where God rules. Does he rule in your life? If not, ask him to have his will and his way with you today. John Powell, 
pastor in Houston, Texas, has a sign on the mirror in his bathroom, which he sees every morning when he first wakes up. It says, what have you got going today, God? I'd like to be a part of it. Thanks for loving me. Now that's a prayer God can and will answer. Because prayer is not about getting my will done in heaven. It's about God getting God's will done in, on earth. Through prayer, God allows you to be a part of what he is doing around the world. So when you pray, put God's interest first. Acknowledge who God is. Second, acknowledge what God wants. Then third, acknowledge what you need. Recognize your own needs and present those to God. Admit those areas where you lack and ask God to provide. Begin with your needs for today. Matthew 6.11 says, Give us this day our daily bread. This request looks to God, the Father, our Creator and Sustainer, for today's needs not tomorrow's needs, just for today's needs. At the end of the chapter, Jesus says, Do not be anxious about tomorrow, for tomorrow will be anxious for itself. Sufficient for the day is its own trouble. In the book Alive, Rick Christian recounts a low point in Thomas Carlyle's life. The noted historian had just spent two years writing a book on the French Revolution. On the day when he finished his manuscript, he gave his only copy to a colleague, John Stuart Mill, to read and critique. Then something unthinkable happened. Mill's servant accidentally used Carl's manuscript as kindling to start a fire. As Mills reported to Carlyle the devastating news, Carl's face paled. Two years of his life were lost. Thousands of long, lonely hours spent writing had been wasted. He could not imagine writing the book again. He lapsed into a deep depression. Then one day, while walking the streets of the city, Carlyle noticed a stone wall under construction. He was transfixed. That tall, sweeping wall was being raised one brick at a time. It was a eureka moment for him. If he wrote one page at a time, one day at a time, he could write the book again. This is exactly what he did. Christian observes, when faced with a seemingly impossible situation, we often see the wall, not the individual bricks. But taken day by day, task by task, the road is more manageable. Christ taught us to pray, Give us this day our daily bread. Not all the bread we need for the rest of our lives. Not all the bread we need for this month. And not even all the bread we need for today and tomorrow. No, give us what we need today. When you acknowledge your need, begin with your needs for today. Once you acknowledge your needs for today, then deal with your needs from your past. Matthew 6.12 says, and forgive us our debts, which is another way of saying, forgive us our sins, as we also have forgiven our debtors. We ask God to release us from the debt of our sin, in the same way we ask release for those who are indebted or have sinned against us. This request looks to God, 
the Son, our Redeemer and Savior, who died on the cross for our sins. You see, Jesus paid a debt that he did not owe because we owed a debt we cannot pay. Lee Strobel, in his book, Experiencing the Passion of Jesus, talks about an acquaintance who called with what seemed to be an embarrassing request. This man's little girl had been caught shoplifting from their church bookstore. He wanted to know if Lee would represent the church so she could come and apologize. He said he wanted to use this incident as a teaching moment. Well, Lee Strobel agreed, but he had a much bigger lesson in mind. The next day, the parents brought their eight-year-old daughter and trooped her into Lee's office and sat her down. Tell me what happened, Lee said to the little girl, as gently as he could. Well, she said as she started to sniffle, I saw a book that I really wanted, but I didn't have any money. Now tears formed in her eyes and spilled down her cheeks. Lee handed her a tissue. So I put the book under my coat and took it. I knew it was wrong. I knew I shouldn't do it, but I did. And I'm sorry. I'll never do it again, honest. Lee told her, I'm so glad that you're willing to admit that what you did was wrong and say that you're sorry. That's very brave, and it's the right thing to do. But what do you think would be an appropriate punishment would be? She shrugged. Lee thought for a moment before saying, I understand the book costs $5. I think it would be fair if you paid the bookstore the $5 plus three times that amount, which would make a total of $20. Do you think that would be fair? She nodded sadly. Yes, she murmured. She could see the fairness in that, but now there was fear in her eyes. $20 is a mountain of money for a little kid. Where could she ever come up with that amount of cash? Then Lee opened his desk drawer and removed his checkbook and wrote out a check on his personal account for the full amount. He tore off the check and held it out to her. Her mouth dropped open. I'm going to pay the penalty for you so you don't have to, Lee said. Do you know why I do that? Bewildered, she shook her head. Because I love you, Lee said. Because I care about you. Because you are valuable to me. And please remember this. That's how Jesus feels about you, too, except even more. At that moment, she reached out and accepted Lee's gifts. Lee said, I wish you could find the words to describe the look of absolute relief and joy and wonder that blossomed on her face. She was almost giddy with gratitude. When you think about your past failures and sins, don't try to deal with them on your own. Just reach out and accept Jesus' gift of forgiveness. Then you also need to forgive others in the same way that God forgave you. Release them from their debts to you. You see, Jesus taught us to pray, Forgive us our debts as you also are forgiven our debtor. We have forgiven our debtors. That is, in the same way we have forgiven our debtors. Some people say, oh, I can forgive, but I cannot forget. Is that how you want God to forgive you? Then you really don't want to pray this prayer. You see, true forgiveness involves erasing the record of past wrongs, deleting the hateful emails and texts, choosing to forget the wrong others have done to you. 
Clara Barton, the founder of the American Red Cross, was reminded one day of the vicious deed that someone had done to her years before. But she acted as if she had never heard of the incident. Don't you remember it? Her friend asked. No, came Barton's reply. I distinctly remember forgetting it. That's how God promises to forgive us. He said, I will forgive your iniquity, and I will remember your sins no more. That is how, um, that's what you want. If that's what you want, you need to be willing to forgive others in the same way as Jesus forgave you. Matthew 6, 14 and 15 says, If you forgive others their trespasses, your Heavenly Father will also forgive you. But if you do not forgive others their trespasses, neither will your Father forgive your trespasses. It's not so much that you earn God's forgiveness by forgiving others, because forgiveness is not earned. No, but those who realize how much God has forgiven them find it easier to forgive others because receiving God's forgiveness and extending to it to others are inseparable. Gary Preston tells the story about a traveler making his way with a guide through the jungles of Burma. They came to a shallow but wide river and waded through it to the other side. When the traveler came out of the water, he found numerous leeches had attached themselves to his torso and legs, and his first instinct was to grab them and pull them off. The guide stopped him, warning that pulling the leeches off would only leave tiny pieces of them under the skin. Eventually, infection would set in. The best way to rid the body of the leeches, the guide advised, was to bathe in a warm balsam bath for several minutes. This would soak the leeches and soon they would release their hold on the man's body. Then Preston comments, When I have been significantly injured by another person, I cannot simply yank the injury from myself and expect all the bitterness, malice, and emotion will be gone. Resentment still hides under the surface. The only way to become truly free of the offense and to forgive others is to bathe in the soothing bath of God's forgiveness for me. When I find a, finally fathom the extent of God's love in Jesus Christ, forgiveness of others is a natural overflow. So, my friends, bathe in the soothing bath of God's forgiveness. It will set you free from those past hurts. When you acknowledge your need before God, begin with your needs for today, then deal with your needs from your past, then leave the needs of your future with God. Matthew 6.13 says, And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. Ask God to keep you from being in a state of testing, to rescue you from the evil one, from Satan himself. You see, the word temptation literally speaks of an examination, a test, either to bring out the best or the worst in people. Satan tests us to bring out the worst. God tests us to bring out the best. These two last requests in this prayer ask God for protection from Satan's testing. And they look to the Holy Spirit, our counselor and guide, who leads us in the path of righteousness. There's an old British film called The Servant, which tells the story of a, the second son of an entitled and wealthy British family. The son has come back to England after serving in the Indian Army. It is the early part of the 20th century, and at the height of British imperial power, 
and the young man realizes he needs help navigating his return to upper-class society in Great Britain. So he hires a manservant who teaches him what clothes to wear, what clubs to join, whom his friends should be, what to eat at a restaurant. The young man quickly becomes quite a success. However, in the process of helping his master become a gentleman, the servant introduces the young man to gambling, the use of drugs, and the use of women who are willing to sell their bodies to men. The servant does it because this is what this, a single rich English gentleman is supposed to do, so the servant says. By the end of the movie, however, the young man has squandered his wealth, has become a hopeless drug addict, and is arrested for killing a woman with whom he had an affair. In the last scene of the movie, the servant simply walks away as his master is being arrested. As it turns out, the servant had planned his master's destruction from the very beginning. That servant is Satan, who has planned your destruction from the very beginning. He will lead you down a path of destruction if you let him. Please don't. Instead, ask God to protect you from Satan's destruction and lead you down a different path. Now that's a prayer God can and will answer. So when you pray, put God's interest first. Acknowledge who God is. Acknowledge what God wants. And then acknowledge what you need. Past, present, and future. Archbishop Richard Trent, the Dean of Westminster, a writer and poet, once said, Prayer is not overcoming God's reluctance. It is laying hold of his willingness to help us. So let us pray and lay hold of God's highest willingness. Would you pray with me? Our Father which art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come. Thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us today our daily bread and forgive us our debts as we forgive our debtors. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever. Amen. Now would you please rise and join with me in the Apostles' Creed. I believe in God the Father Almighty, maker of heaven and earth, and in Jesus Christ his only Son, our Lord, who was conceived by the Holy Ghost, born of the Virgin Mary, suffered under Pontius Pilate, was crucified, died, and was buried. He descended to the dead. On the third day he rose again, he ascended into heaven, and seated at the right hand of the Father, and will come again to judge the living and the dead. I believe in the Holy Ghost, the Holy Catholic Church, the communion of saints, the forgiveness of sins, the resurrection of the body, and the life everlasting. Amen.
Now let us prepare our hearts for prayer. God of power and might, we come before you trembling with all for all that you have done, are doing, and will do in the grand sweep of time and the vast swath of creation. Thank you, Father, that Jesus has borne our sin and intercedes for us, that because of his blood shed for us, we have confidence to enter into your most holy presence. We want to draw near to you with a sincere heart and full assurance that as we call on you, you will answer us and show us great and unsearchable things that we don't know. Teach us to pray. O oh God, teach to us to pray your heart, your will, your word. Forgive us, Lord, for I am off, we are often self-focused in your presence and give in to the worries of this life and miss the blessings of your heart for your church and the world around us. Empower us by your Spirit to intercede for others and your work around the world. May we become one that you may call, even as in the watches of the night, to build up the wall and stand in the gap on behalf of others. May we respond when you call. May the burden and intensity of the needs of a lost world, our brothers and sisters in Christ, and our community of faith, so overtake us that we cannot keep silent day or night before you. Make us to be a watchman for your kingdom, Father. Like Anna, may we never leave your presence, but learn to worship, fast, and pray continually. Teach us that what it means to be persistent in prayer until we receive the answer, to always pray and never give up. Help us to rise before the dawn and cry out to you, always putting our hope in the promises of your word. May your word be in our hearts like a burning fire, and your promises our constant meditation. Mold us, Father, into a prayer warrior for your kingdom. Teach us to pray in your spirit that we might become one who is truly devoted to prayer and who participates with you in your work, even to the ends of the earth. May prayer truly become the foundation of our living, that we might be one who is found faithful, always praying, refusing to give up. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.
Now, in every circumstance, trust in God, who has great power to save and keep us. May the power of God uphold you, the peace of Christ rest upon you, and the Holy Spirit defend you, now and always. Amen. We thank you for worshiping with us today. We hope you have been blessed and God has been glorified. May you have a God-blessed week. We look forward to you joining us again next Sunday and invite your friends to listen. Mm -hmm.